0: Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor, Michael Norman. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. well good morning again and welcome to Grace Hill and we are week two of our series manly man so everybody today say with me manly Manly. not bad not bad guys You sounded manly women you sounded a little feminine which is okay we're glad about that but can you deepen it up for me Renee I heard you singing and it was like high. can you deepen it up as we say manly one more time can you do that Katie I expect to hear you. You kind of soft voice and sweet voice. Can you uh, can you uh, do that a little bit? All right, all right. One more time. Are you ready? Everybody, say "manly." manly. Sounds good, guys. We need a whole series just for us. The Women Get One Week, we need a whole series, and you're not going to want to miss the next two weeks as we continue on this series, and we're talking about the story of David who becomes King David, and we're talking about the seasons of David's life and how it corresponds to us, and last week, we talked about the early years of David in which he was in the shepherd's field when he was what was seemingly a boring, seemingly an insignificant season of his life to where he was tending to sheep and tending to goats, and he was just in the field. And again, while we're tending sheep, it seems like an incredibly insignificant moment until we understand that it was foundational for his life, that that season was absolutely foundational for his life. And so for us, the season of the shepherd's field corresponds to our own spiritual development, our own spiritual growth. And so we're talking here, here again about spiritual growth and about this, this genuine relationship with God. And how that's foundational for our lives where it's not just duty or it's not just habit or it's not just my dad's faith or your grandma's faith or your cousin's faith or your, it's not just that, but it's about us cultivating this relationship with God. Not that we're just, you know, we're, we're good with the big man upstairs. No, 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 no. A genuine relationship with the Lord that we're cultivating in our hearts a love for God above all else. The shepherd's field where it's not just religion, but relationship, where the presence of God. You have on your life a presence of God. That was last week. And so I encourage you, if you missed, go back and listen to it at gracehill.cc backslash media, and you can listen to last week's message. Today, though, we're going to talk about the warrior part of David's story. I love battle movies. I love movies that have suspense and have some tension and then they have a battle and they have combat. I love those movies. Like the movie Taken with Liam Meeson. You know what I'm talking about? To where he goes, I have a particular set of skills. I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> I'm not sure as a Christian I should like that line so much, but like, it's just like, you mess with my daughter, I will find you and I will hurt you. Right, But it had tension and plot and story and battle. And it was good versus evil. And it was suspense. And it was action. I loved it. And then really my favorite is the whole Bourne series. How many of you like the Born series? You guys like that? That movie is incredible. And you know, little known fact, most people don't know this. That movie was based on a true story of my life before I came to Christ. <laughs> I don't really like to talk about that, but it was... Uh, okay for the (laughs) some of you laughed and caught the joke and some were like really no just kidding just kidding or what about the movie 300 uh the tv version not the movie version so cool the action and then rocky like rocky's all beat up and there's 13 rocky series in the series right and he's like yo adrian I mean, after you see the action and the suspense and the battle, you see all of that. Afterwards, you want to go work out, or you want to go run, or you want to go wrestle a bear. I mean, you want to do something. You're not wrestle, but wrestle. You want to wrestle a bear. I mean, it's like there's something about it. It's awesome. And those genre, this is really the story here of David and Goliath. It's giant versus little boy. It is evil versus good. It's impossible odds. It is this epic battle between David and Goliath. That is what we're talking about today. And this epic battle can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Why don't you turn with me in your Bibles, pull out your phones. However, it'll be on the screen. But I want to encourage you to capture a few things that we're going to talk about in this story today. We could talk about a lot. We're going to talk about just a few. But I want you to capture some truth. So I really want to encourage you to take notes. I want to encourage you to take notes. Uh, uh, just like I want to encourage you to be a part of small groups, I want to encourage you to like to, to really engage, to learn, to grow. And so kind of as a sidebar, uh, we have several Chi Alpha alumni here. We have Chi Alpha missionaries. Chris and Katie Scroggins are here. Chris, Katie, I love teaching Chi Alpha folks. A few weeks ago, I was teaching 70 staffers, Chi Alpha staffers, and so as I, it was, you know, the, the head guy and his wife and associate staff and, I mean, and, and so it was 70 staffers and I brought notes for them to fill in the blank because I was teaching them one, one day and none of them took the notes. And I was like, that's unusual. They usually take the notes and take great notes. They didn't take the notes because when I start teaching, they all pull out these like notebooks and are like taking notes and like filling in and like writing. And I was like, man, this is awesome this was awesome. And then later, not long after that, I was teaching 250 student leaders. So not, not just students, but student leaders. And like, I didn't bring notes for them, but I didn't have to. They pulled out their notebooks. They were writing down notes. They were flipping in their Bible. Keith, it was awesome. So I want to encourage you to take notes today. It's a powerful part of our Christian lives. All right. So Write this stuff down, some good principles for all of us. But man, I'm teaching to you today, but all the, it overlaps to all of us. So today, we're talking about things that will help us become all that God has called us to be. We're talking about things that will help us become the warrior that God has created us and called us to be. And the first thing that we're talking about, and I want us to capture, in looking at the story of David and Goliath, and we've all heard the story, we know the story, is this is that if we're going to be a warrior and we that we have to be willing to fight. If you're taking notes today, write that down that we have to be willing to fight. And it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 32. David said to Saul. So David's been gone, he hears the taunts of the army. The army is hiding in caves, they're hiding behind bushes. And now what happens is David comes to Saul, the king, and he says this. Don't let anyone lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Really, he's saying, don't worry, I'll go fight him. And so for you and I in our lives, we have to be willing to say, I'll go fight We have to say to God, I'm willing to go fight and I'm gonna fight for my family and I'm gonna fight for my kids and I'm gonna fight for my church and I'm gonna fight for my spiritual growth. We have to go to God and say, I'm willing to fight. Goliath was a seasoned veteran. Goliath was a giant Goliath was bold and confident in his skills and ability, and David was still a kid. He was a young shepherd boy, yet no one was willing to fight Goliath except for David when David stood up and said, I'll fight him. And when it comes to fighting for something, I wanna tell you this, I'm not talking about fighting for God's acceptance. I'm not talking about fighting for something that that, uh, fighting to be good enough for God or fighting for our place with God. Jesus has already done that for you. That Jesus has already fought that battle. He's already won that battle. That Jesus' death, his resurrection, he has created a place at the table for you. And that as we put our faith in Him, and we put our faith in Jesus as the Son of God, that He died on the cross for us, that He rose again, that He ascended to heaven and is at the right hand of the Father, that as we put our faith in that, we are accepted by God. So I'm not talking about trying to find a seat at the table. That that has already been done by Jesus. And just as as David defeated Goliath and he defeated the biggest foe that they had, Jesus defeated sin in your life. And you and I can live free because of Jesus. We can live free as we believe in him, put our faith in him. We can be free as we receive the free gift of salvation. Amen? So I'm not talking about acceptance by God or your place at the table. I'm talking about fighting for things only you can fight for. And some things that we have to fight for, if you're taking notes today, is number one, is we have to fight for our spiritual development. Last week, we talked about this in the shepherd's field of spending time with God. God. But I want us to expand on this a little bit, that salvation is a free gift of God, that as you come to him and you put your faith in him as the son of God, that he died and rose again, that as we put our faith in Christ, salvation's free. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you lots in a good way. In a good way, discipleship will cost us a lot. And we have to fight for our continued success and our continued growth to be all that God has created us to be. 1 Corinthians 9 says this. You know that only one person gets a crown for being in a race, even if many people run it. You must run so that you will win the crown. So run to win. Everyone who runs in a race does many things to his bo- so his body will be strong. He does it to get a crown that will soon be worth nothing. So he's saying, you're going to run races, and you're going to get medals, and you're going to get ribbons, and you're going to get certificates, and you're going to get those placement things, and maybe a participation medal. You're going to get those things, but ultimately, those things will fade away. He says, but we are working for a crown that will last forever so we're doing things for eternal purposes when we're saying i am going to fight for my spiritual development that i am going to fight for my spiritual growth and i'm going to fight for this continued success in god that we're fighting for for something of eternal value it goes on it says in the same way i run straight for the place at the end of the race i fight to win I don't beat the air. I keep working over my body. I make it obey me. I do this because I'm afraid that after I've preached the good news to others, I myself might be put aside. Another version says I might be disqualified. And there it's talking specifically about in the context there. We're not talking about a a bigger picture, but in the context of being disqualified to serve in ministry is what he's talking about here in this moment. But so he's saying here, When you run, everybody runs a race, whether you want to or not. Spiritually, we're running a race with God that we run to win. And we don't want to mix up the temporary with the eternal. We don't want to confuse those two. He's saying run to win spiritually, to grow in God, to be all that he created you to be. And here he's also talking about you're fighting, again, to be all that God has called you to be. And here he wants us to win others to Christ. He's saying, I don't want to be disqualified, so I'm going to run to win so that I can win others to Christ. He's saying, when I'm with the Jews, I act like a Jew under the law, though I know I'm not under the law. And when I'm with the Gentiles, I don't act like I'm under the law because I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. He's saying, but I'm running to win a race, to win others to Christ. And so for us, we're running for our spiritual development. And as our development happens, it just carries over to those around us. And so what he's saying is run to win so we're not disqualified, fight, stay on course. And guys, how many of you know this is true? There is so much temptation that comes our way every week. From Sunday to Sunday and Monday to Sunday and Tuesday to Saturday, there are so many temptations and so many things to cause us to lose focus and so many things to distract us and so many things to deter us and so many roadblocks that it would be easy to lose focus and to become apathetic in our spiritual walk. There would be so many things that are tempting us. It happens over and over and we know that we we have to battle that but here's the beautiful thing about the spirit of God living inside of us and Christ dying on our cross and Christ being our David to Goliath being sin for us that here's a beautiful story in 2 Peter 1, 3. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. I typed in the wrong verse on your paper. We're gonna have the right verse on the screen. And so it is 2 Peter 1, 3, 8, not 1 Peter 1, 3, 8. I made a mistake there. So if you were taking notes, boom, you can correct it, huh? 2 Peter 1 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I want to read that, that part again. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. And you might say, hey, Michael, you just don't know my struggles. I mean, I just can't win this fight. I mean, I just can't. This is just what I do. I can't get past this. I mean, I'll give all the other areas of my life to God. This is just one I can't get past. No, it says that everything that we need, everything that we need for a godly life has been given to us through Jesus Christ through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So stand up and fight. Fight for the things that are right. Not because we're good enough or we're smart enough or we're witty enough or we're wise enough or we're wealthy enough. Not because of any of those things but through our knowledge of Jesus who out of his goodness and out of his glory and out of his power has given us the ability to not live ungodly lives to live godly lives does that make sense so he's saying that god's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him verse four and through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature Having escaped the corruption of the world, underline that. When you come to Christ, you've escaped the junk of the world. You've escaped that. For this very reason that we've escaped the corruption of the world, that His divine power living in us has given everything we need to live a Godly life. With these things in mind, for this very reason, make every effort. In other words, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it. Make every effort to add. It's saying you're going to have to put forth that effort in spiritual growth. You're going to have to put forth that effort in spiritual development. That so you're going to have to, to fight for it. To respond to God. It says make every effort to add to your faith goodness. In other words, he's saying fight to be qualified, to be used. Add to your faith goodness, action. This is a, a, a fight that we're in. To add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, not being a quitter, perseverance, and to add to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. And it says, underline this phrase, if you possess these qualities, if you possess these qualities, it's good stuff. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in other words, if you produce this faith and knowledge and and perseverance and self control, if you're in goodness, if you're adding to your faith these things, if you're fighting for these things, it will allow you to be productive in your walk with God and fruitful in your walk with God. That it's a fight for us, men. It takes effort. It takes effort. It takes getting up, putting forth the effort, getting off your seat, getting into the game, and doing something for God to fight for your spiritual growth. We're reading this book in in a small group I'm a part of called Chasing Daylight and the author is a bit wordy and flowery and some of his writing style is repetitive but his point of the whole book is get up and do something. Seize the day. Get up and pursue God. Get up and chase the day. Chase daylight. Do something for God. And really what I'm saying is, hey, get up and fight for your spiritual development. It takes effort. David was the only one who was willing to stand up and say, I will fight. I want to ask you today, Grace Hill, men, are you willing to fight? Are you willing to stand up and fight? And maybe we've come to the place where we said, you know what? I failed so much. I didn't follow through on that promise again to the Lord. I looked at that again. I said that again. I've been lazy again. I've been a bad dad again. I was a, 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 a gripey husband again. I've been these things. And I, man, it's just, I just, I failed so much. But I want to encourage you with this. You can't give up. Every time you fail, get up. Every time you stumble, get up. That's the difference between a fighter and a quitter, is the one who says, I'm going to get up again. Let me tell you something that culture's not telling you right now. I want to tell you something. I want you to capture this. Men, you are not special. <laughs> you don't know my struggle. My, no one else. When 7.2 billion people in the world has ever struggled with what I've struggled with, ever since the days of Jesus and before, no one has ever struggled. Your struggle is not unusual. It is not special. It is not uncommon. It is not unfamiliar. You're you're not special. Every millennial go find your safe place and cry, just for a moment. (laughs) God has helped someone else pass the same struggle you're dealing with in this moment, and God will help you pass it too. Stand up and fight. Men, stand up and fight for your spiritual development. Keep fighting. So the first fight is for our spiritual growth. The next fight, are you willing to fight? A warrior has to be willing to fight. The second one would be to fight for your marriage. It's not your marriage and your family. It's not a given in our culture anymore. Men, fight for your marriage and fight for your family. That don't defer to your wife in the area of fighting for your marriage. Don't leave her as the only one fighting for a healthy marriage. Lead the way. Now, hey, it takes two, I get that. And women, I'm not at all belittling your role. I'm asking the men to stand up and fight for the health of their marriage. I'm asking you to stand up and to make that a priority and to stand up and say, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna lead, I'm gonna love. And here's, here is a major way to make your marriage and family work. Take notes, write this down. Number one would be priorities. priorities. If we arrange our priorities in our life in this way, it is going to give us a great chance of winning. It takes two, but this will give us a big chance of winning. Number one first priority in our life is this, is God. That God has to be number one. That if you are number one, or your job is number one, or your leisure is number one, or your desires is number one, if anything else is number one, that you will not be all that God called you to be. And you probably won't make it in marriage. Matthew 6.33 says, To seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things that we desire, that they will be added to us as well. That Here, capture this today, guys. None of this is in your notes. It's something that I added and felt in my heart last night that sometimes our desires becomes our savior in our mind. Meaning that if I can just get this promotion or if I can just get this shift in my job or if I can just get this attention or if I can just get this health or if I can just get this recognition or if I can just get this, you know, this car. I mean, this or this this house or If I can just get this one thing, that will be my savior, and I will be happy from here on. That sometimes our desires becomes our savior in our mind. When really, here's the thing, is that if you get that car, you're not going to be any happier. You're just going to have a bigger car note. (laughs) If you get that date, you're not going to be any happier. You're just going to have to pay for a date. If you get more recognition in a job promotion, you're not going to be any happier. You're just going to have more responsibility to add on to the unhappiness you already have. Right? Amen? And so the desires of our heart becomes our savior and it becomes over God. And our biggest need is not our desires. Our biggest need is for forgiveness. And when we have forgiveness and we have God as the priority, the other things fall into place. And so we have to fight for our families and our part of that is putting God first and all the things you worry about, if we put God first, he allows the others to properly line up as we let him do that. And if not, we'll have worry and we'll be anxious and angry and a bigger car note. The next priority after God would be marriage and family and there we're definitely putting that in the right order. That kids one day will leave and you need to make sure you still love your wife as Christ loved the church. So the kids will leave. In fact, I have two of my daughters are already off at college and they are not coming home anytime soon. One drove home for the weekend to get her car inspected and then she picked up the youngest daughter and they drove back and she'll be gone for 10 days. So for the next 10 days, I'm empty nesting and man, it is awesome. I'm glad that I love my wife and I'm glad that Sheila still still loves me. And it's going to be 10 days of just rest and relaxation. And I I mean, I don't even know if I'm coming to the office because it's just going to be, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) marriage first, and I promise it'll work. See, listen to this. Ephesians 5 and 6 that it, it, it read those this week but if you treat your wife the way that it says that if you as Christ loves the church you love her and as Christ gave him to itself to the church you give yourself to her that you're probably good to go it takes two but I'm saying if you're doing your job you do that you're probably good to go and if you treat your children and raise them right it doesn't mean that you're their BFF. that you raise them as parent and child and you raise them right I mean you're probably good to go because when you do these things, it works out way better. The third priority would be work. Colossians 3 says work is unto the Lord. It's important for us to understand because that work is important. Work gives us fulfillment. Work gives us satisfaction. Work gives us accomplishment. And then we turn around and not only are we doing something and put our mind and our talents and our time and our abilities towards something, that we're doing it not for our boss or for our company or for even the paycheck. We're doing it as unto the Lord, that it becomes a perfect priority lined up behind God, behind wife and family. And then the last thing would be anything else. Anything else comes after those three. It's an easy pattern that if both the husband and the wife get these down, it'll be saving you counseling bills. It will save you, you know, marriage. It'll be way better. If you love God first and treat your wife as you should, raise your kids the right way, build godly character in them, work hard and joyfully, life seems to work out. Men, are you willing to fight? The last one, this isn't in your nose, but fight for your church. In too many churches, we're left without strong male leadership. Again, we need both. But everyone serving in the body of Christ, everyone leading, everyone fulfilling God's call upon their lives. But we're left without strong male leadership. We let our wives volunteer and the husband stands behind. Too many times we let our wives worship and we just chill. Let's fight for the spiritual health of our church, leading our family behind the scenes, bringing them to church. Man, I want to encourage some of you to volunteer, additional of you to volunteer in Grace Kids and in preschool ministry, teaching those kids about the love of Jesus And the goodness of Jesus so that they hear it from you. The Bible says, let the older men teach the younger men. And that you may say, hey, I'm no Bible scholar. Well, you might have the greatest testimony of saying, hey, I didn't always serve Jesus, but I do now. And I wish that I had. And here's what I do know. And then the things you do know you're passing down to the younger men. Or maybe you're ready to pass on deeper things we fight for the spiritual health of our church and where we're saying, hey, I'm attending, I'm serving, I'm growing, I'm giving, I'm teaching. And across this room, I believe that God is calling many of us men to be pillars of the faith. To where we look back in 10 years and go, man, I wouldn't be serving the Lord except that man. I watched him worship and it moved my heart. Or that man caught me in the hallway and he told me this and it moved me. When I was youth pastoring, our church uh, that I was on staff at as a youth pastor that had a great pastor and the church was growing. Man, the dude is just an amazing man, amazing pastor. And the church was growing, but our youth ministry was exploding so much so that Wednesday nights they moved. We took over the whole campus and everybody else, kids and adults met on Thursday. Youth group took over Wednesdays and we were needing to build an additional facility to house the youth group. And so they were going to build a 22,000 square foot facility for to house the youth offices and the youth sanctuary and the youth discipleship rooms. It was basically this big youth building with a full functioning uh, industrial coffee shop and this game room. And, and it was just this incredible expense, but this incredible need uh, as far as a place to uh, additional space. And the older generation began to say, what about us? We've been here for years before the church grew. What about us? And they were going to the pastor and there was a little bit of, uh, of, of uh, there was tension would be a hard word, but there was just a little bit of conversation and resistance. And there was a man by the name of Harlan Pope who was an older gentleman. He had been in the church since the days it was a hundred. And I mean, he'd been there for Years and years and years, this godly man, and he just felt like the Lord said, you need to go pray about this. So instead of having conversations, instead of like causing resistance, he went and began to pray and fast and seek the Lord. And after a week or so, he comes out and God had told him that you're supposed to build this for the next generation and that this church is going to reach the next generation for generations to come. And you know what he did? He began to go to every senior adult in the church and say, hey, I've been praying. Here's what God spoke to me. Every time they would gather for their monthly meeting, every time they'd go out to church afterwards, he's saying, hey, listen to what God spoke to my heart. We're supposed to be a church that reaches the next generation, and it's going to happen for generations to come. And he prayed and he prayed with everyone and then when it came time to vote on building this expensive large facility every single one of our senior adults stood up and voted for it because harlan pope said i'm going to fight for the spiritual health of my church and not long after we built the building he passed away it's as if he accomplished god's will and god said welcome home good and faithful servant And you want to know today that youth ministry continues to grow to where they've outgrown that youth facility they built for us, and now they meet in the main auditorium of the church. Because Harlan Pope, among other people, were saying, I am going to fight for the spiritual health of my church. Does that resonate with you today? That that is what God is calling us to be is to fight, to stand up and to fight and to be warriors and to fight and to be pillars of the faith. In 1 Samuel 17, 48, it says that so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. So here's the deal: we have a giant in David, we have a small boy in—I mean—in Goliath, a small boy in David, and it says that he didn't use wise military tactics. He didn't go, "Hey guys, hey guys, why don't all the army go over here and y'all start clanging your sword and shields and you start yelling really loud?" And what I'll do—I'm small, I can slide behind the rocks and I can come around this side and, like a sniper with my slingshot. <laughs> Right, I mean, I'll just, man, he won't even know what's coming. No, David said, I'm going to address what needs to be addressed in the moment in which it needs to be addressed, and I'm going to run to the battle. And guys, I'm asking you to address what needs to be addressed and run to the battle. Are you a fighter or are you a quitter? Do you fight for your relationship with God? Fight for your family? Fight for your marriage? Fight for your church? Are we a fighter or are we a quitter? Guys, I believe God is calling us to be fighters. Number two, this is in your notes. Write this down. Every battle is spiritual. That if we're going to fight, we have to fight the right way, and realize that every battle is spiritual. Sometimes we think it's it's politics, and sometimes we think that I've got to carry around my Glock in my pocket, and sometimes we think that you know what I I've got to you know I've got to I've got to win the Facebook war as we're debating conservative or or, or liberal or Republican or Democrat. How many of you know that doesn't work, right? I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying like, you know, you're not going to like win the argument there. And we think it's all these things, but everyone is spiritual. I want you to listen to what happens uh, in 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46. So David said to the Philistines, so what happened is, 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 is Goliath is this proud warrior and he sees this little boy coming out. He sees Preston coming out to battle him and he's like bro I'm a mighty warrior and you send a boy against me and he says am I a dog that you would send a boy against me today I'm gonna kill you and here is David's response this young boy he said You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and cut off your head this very day. I will give your carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. I mean, that's pretty violent moments, but I want you to understand this. That's ultimate trash talk. I've been watching the NBA finals and in game one, Steph Curry and LeBron, two of the NBA superstars had a moment near the end of the game where they were some trash talking to each other. And then you had Tristan Thompson and Draymond Green had a little moment where they trash talk, and one pushed the basketball in his face, and they're tra- talking trash. And so that's like over a game. And David's like, oh, yeah, sucker. You're going down, and I'm going to feed you to. I mean, like, this was like ultimate trash talk by this little boy. And he's saying, really, it's a spiritual battle. He says, you want to fight with sword and shield. I come against you in the name of the Lord. It's not about physical. It's a spiritual battle. God rescues. It's not about our ability. God rescues. It's not about our smarts. God rescues. It's not about our wittiness. God rescues. It's not about our wisdom. God rescues. So if we're going to fight and God's calling us to fight, we've got to fight the right way, understanding it's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. It's not about our skills. It's about God's Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his power and his might. Put on the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, so you're not fighting with your kids or your wife or your business partner or your boss or your neighbor or your political uh, uh, debate. It's not, it's not, it's not, that's not who you're fighting but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. It says this in John ten ten that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, it's a spiritual battle that we're facing. And I want to close out with this verse, and we're getting close right here to, to bringing this together, so stick with me. It says this in Romans 8.31. The enemy says, you've blown it too many times. You'll never win this battle. You'll never have joy. You'll never get over your depression. You'll never be encouraged. You'll always be discouraged. The enemy is saying all these type of things to us. Romans 8 says, what shall we say again to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us. How shall he not freely also give us all things? It goes down in verse thirty seven or verse thirty five says Well who shall separate from the, us from the love of God? Nothing. 37 says, Yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not because we're smart, or we're strong, or we're wealthy, or we're witty, but it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. So men, keep on fighting. Keep on fighting for our spiritual growth. Keep on fighting for our family, for our our church. Keep on fighting for your marriage. Near the end, what happens before, right before the fight is Saul says, "Hey, here's my armor. Put on my armor." And David is a small boy, Saul, a tall king, He puts his armor on, and it's just like, it won't fit. I mean the helmet sits sideways, and the breastplate sits too low, and you know the belt keeps falling down. And, and it says this that David goes, "King, I can't fight that way." Here's what he said. And he took a staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook and then he put them in the shepherd's bag which he had. I want you to capture this. The only weapons he had to fight with were the things that he had from the shepherd's field. And as we have this spiritual battle, the only weapons we have is from the time that we're in the shepherd's field growing David could not do it. And guys, neither can you. You cannot fight with your ingenuity. You fight it in the shepherd's field. His only tools were what he had from the shepherd's field. Not his power, not his smart. And the challenge for you and I today is to find our field. And as we find our field, we'll overcome the battle with lust or the battle with greed or the battle with laziness or the battle with selfishness that we've got to fight and we've got to fight the right way. So today, if you're taking notes, here's your homework items. Hopefully you did your homework for last week, but I want to encourage you to do it for this week as well. Here's the two items I want you to walk away with. Number one is find your field. Find your field. Find the field, a place to spend time with the Lord. And secondly, number two is this, is fight the right battle. It's not against flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle. And then I want you to understand the Lord is with you. If you would stand with me today and I want us to close. Thank you, Jesus. Just close your eyes and open up your heart just for a moment. Just ask the Lord to begin to speak to you. Lord, give this body of men this church of men and women. The willingness to say, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight through Christ Jesus. I'm going to fight for my spiritual growth. I'm going to fight for my family and my children. I'm going to fight for my church. But I'm going to fight the right way with prayer and spending time in the shepherd's field. Father, they lead us. Let there be joy in us. Give us, Lord, a presence of sense of your presence that as we go through our day we have your strength to move forward and we pray these things before I close eyes still closed, heart still open I feel someone in here that this is speaking to you today let the Holy Spirit speak to you let the Holy Spirit speak to you and lead you right now find your shepherd's field stand up and fight the battles and walk away victorious because of Christ and what he's already done on the cross for you. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus, and together we said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.